0: today, verse 13, Paul's writing here to this church at Thessalonica, and he said, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both kill the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sin always, for the raft has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavor the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, and even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Thank Be seated there. Father, we just uh, come this evening asking. Lord, that uh, you might grant for the word of the Lord to have free course here this evening, go in the directions you want it to go. And uh, Lord, there's a lot of things you put in my heart, Lord, over the last uh, 40 years. And uh, Lord, I pray you'd uh, reach in there and draw some of it out that you want to use here tonight, and uh, which not limits you, Lord. Uh, you don't have to use any in my heart. You could, uh, Lord, give me the message. Uh, this morning and fill my mouth with you, what you want me to say tonight. It might not be anything, Lord, that, uh, that I already know. But, Lord, we ask tonight that, uh, Father, that you would help folks that have come out tonight be with those that couldn't be here today because of sickness or uh, quarantines or, uh, Lord, uh, whatever might be going on that they're not here, uh, Lord, some away, And we just ask the Lord to bless the ones that are here tonight, be with them that's not. And if there's somebody here tonight that's lost, and Lord, when we sung that song, I know my name's written there. They couldn't say it because they don't know it, and they've never trusted the Lord completely, and trusted Him, Lord, to be their complete and whole and only Savior. Uh, I pray they might do that tonight. Now, Lord, give us liberty like you did this morning Give us introduction of the message, the meat of the sermon, help us to know when it's time to close. And Father, we'll be careful to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Paul is writing uh, this letter here, he actually wrote two of them, but he's writing this letter here from Corinth, uh, he's writing it to this good church, uh, the good church. It's one of the better churches, if not the best church in the New Testament. It's a model church uh, that other churches could pattern after. and Paul says that in so many words in chapter 1. And he's writing this letter. It's one of two. And uh, he writes for uh, four reasons that he's writing this letter. First of all, he writes to confirm these new believers. Uh, they've just gotten saved. And he writes to, uh, to confirm these new believers in the foundational truths of the Word of God. Uh, Somebody just gets saved, Uh, they need to be taught, they need to be grounded uh, in the truth of the Word of God. Secondly, he writes to exhort them to live right and live clean. He talks about that Uh, in these books. He talks about knowing how to possess your body under the sanctification, how you ought to live right and do right. And then he writes to comfort them concerning some of their loved ones that have already died. And he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and he says, he writes them there, and he's trying to comfort their hearts concerning them which are asleep in Christ Jesus. And he tells them and explains to them what's going on, where their loved ones is, and when they're going to come back, and what's going to happen. But the fourth reason he writes is my text verse tonight. And he says there in verse 18, he says, Satan hath hindered, Satan hath hindered us. Now, uh, it's that there that I want to use tonight. I want to preach on this thought tonight. Uh, I want to preach on some spiritual things that can be hindered. Uh, some spiritual things that can be hindered. We're going to look right here in the Word of God tonight. We know there's a hinderer out there. And any time we try to do something for God, uh, we're, going to, we're going to run upon some things that are going to try to hinder us. I'm sure you've experienced that in your Christian life. And uh, he says here that Satan had hindered him. He wanted to do a certain thing. He wanted to go uh, to this church but he couldn't come because Satan had hindered him. And so it is a lot of times in our Christian life we want to do something but we find ourselves as hindered by different things. And I want to give you three things tonight that can be hindered. Uh, Over in 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, there Uh, The Bible says there in verses uh, 1 down through verse uh, 7, The Bible said, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husband, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plaiting of the hair." and of wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel. but Let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. After this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter you are as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Uh, Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. You might want to underline that there, uh, because he's telling us there in that verse, he's telling us there that our prayers can be hindered. He uh, starts off here in this Uh, in that chapter, and he starts off talking about a a couple that's married, but the man's lost, the woman's saved, and he takes the first few verses out telling her how she can win him to the Lord. Now some women ain't going to never win their lost husband to the Lord because all they do is nag on them. Uh, They ain't going to never win them to the Lord uh, because they never have a kind word toward them. Uh, They ain't going to never win them to the Lord uh, because they have never been in subjection to their husband. You say, well, he's not saved. You're still supposed to be in subjection to him as long as it's not getting out of the will of God. And so uh, anybody like that's never going to win their husband to the Lord. Never. Uh, you might go to church every Sunday and never miss a service. Uh, but if you're not the right kind of wife at home, you're probably never going to see your husband get saved. Uh, he says here, Uh, he said, I'm going to tell you how to win them to the Lord. He said, I'm going to tell you what to do. If they won't go to church, he said, you can win them there at home. He said that they also, without the Word, meaning they're not going to church, they're not going to hear the Word. And he said that they might also, without the Word, be won by the conversation of the wife. In other words, when that lost husband sees the grace of God in the life of that woman and sees her submitted to him, and sees her being a Christian woman in every uh, instance, even though many times she may suffer wrong, uh, even though she don't deserve it. Uh, but yet she renders unto him uh, the due benevolence, and she is the kind of wife that she ought to be, and uh, she goes home to church, even though he won't go to church with her, she might go home and say, darling, I wish you was there with me today, I Sure would have liked to have you sitting by me today, and uh, the preacher preached today on Calvary, and I'd like for you to hear that message, how that Christ died for our sins, and basically what she does is she goes home, and even though he wasn't there to hear the word, she takes the word to him. Uh, She brings it home, takes it to him over the dinner table, takes it to him uh, where they're at, and tells him about Uh, the wonderful things of God. Now, she goes home and says, I tell you what, our church is full of hypocrites. Uh, I tell you what, we got the biggest gossips in our church that ever has lived. She goes home and says, I tell you, that preacher's long-winded and I I didn't like what he said this morning. She ain't never going to win him to the Lord. Why would he go? Everything she's told him is negative and bad. Everything she's told him would you go to a restaurant if uh, somebody said, I tell you what, I ate today over, over at this restaurant and the food was terrible, the coffee was cold, the tea was sour, and uh, the, wait- the waitress was pitiful, would you jump up and say, I think I'll go there and eat? Uh, you wouldn't do that. But if you went home and you said, I tell you what, that was the best that was the best uh, chicken I ever eat. That was the best beans. That was the best service. I never had nobody to serve me like that. I tell you what, it won't be long. You'll be pulling in there to try it out. Uh, why? Because they've they told you how good it was, and they, uh, they put an appetite in you to make you want to go there. Uh, but he said, uh, That's how you'll win them by your chase conversation coupled with fear. And then he said, Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning. In other words, you're not going to win your husband to the Lord because you look pretty. You're not going to win your husband to the Lord because you got a $100 hairdo. You're not going to win your husband to the Lord because you buy a new dress every week to wear to the church. That's not what's going to get him. He's not going to be got. Now now, Now, you may have got him by doing all that, but you ain't going to get him to the Lord that way. The way you're going to get him to the Lord is by what he sees on the inside of you. When he sees that quiet and that meek spirit, when he sees that one that's subjected to Christ, that one that when they ought to they ought to get mad, they ought to stop out of the room, but yet they they don't. They just don't say nothing. They or they turn away a uh, wrath by a soft answer. Uh, then you might have a chance of winning them one day to the Lord. He said, not the not that it's wrong. He's not saying it's wrong. He said, not the adorning of plaiting of hair. It's all right to fix your hair up. Uh, not the wearing of gold. It's all right. If you want to wear a ring or bracelet, that's all right. Not to put it on of apparel. Not uh, It's all right to look nice. You ought to look nice for the Lord. But he said, uh, what's going to win him is verse 4. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. Did you catch that? Did you know you ladies have a hidden man in your heart? That's what he said. He said, let it be the hidden man of the heart. You say, well, who's the hidden man in my heart? The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. If you're saved, Christ lives in you. The Bible said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and uh, we don't have too many righteous men, but always remember you got one living inside of you, the Lord Jesus. Amen? And his prayers avail much. And so he said, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter ye are not as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor. Now he's talking to the men now. Now, now, you—you you, the first few verses, you got a saved woman, a lost man. Last few verses, you got a saved man, you got a saved woman. But he says that you have to dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife is unto the weaker vessel. Now, that's not talking about uh, necessarily. Uh, that's not talking about that uh, the weaker vessel. It has to do with the fact that. Most of the time now, you got these you got these women that try to be men, and they lift weights and do all that stuff, and and uh, and they do the best they can to try to be a man, even though God made them a woman. Uh, but he said uh, he said, dwell with them according to knowledge, realizing that wife's the weaker vessel. In other words, uh, most women probably, unless they're weightlifting or something like that. Most women ain't going to be able to lift a hundred pound bag of seed and throw it on their shoulder. Uh, Why? Because she's the weaker vessel. Uh, Women, God, the way that God has structured women, God has made them uh, so that they're more emotional than men. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, Women are more emotional than men. And uh, most of the time that uh, the women will get all emotional and a lot of times the men, I know there's a few cases where it's not that way, but most times the men are not as emotional as the women. That's why after 40 years of preaching, I never deal with a woman if I can deal with her husband. Uh, you say, why? Because they get emotional. They start crying, especially if you got trouble in the church. And uh, thank God it's been a while since I've had any trouble in the church and I'm not looking for none tonight. But there has been some that times that I've had it and I've had to uh, take somebody in the office and I've had to deal with somebody and do something I didn't want to do. Uh, take a Sunday school class away from them or uh, do something I didn't really want to do but I had to do But do it because of the way they was doing it. And uh, boy, they'll break down every time and they'll start crying and they'll start bawling and they'll try to get, get you feeling sorry for them and it's tough. I'm here to tell you it's tough tonight When you have to deal with that. Uh, So a lot of times I'll just say sir I need to talk to you about your wife. And then I'll let her break down on him when he gets home and tells her instead of me. Amen. Uh, But I'm talking about. I'm trying to get down to the end of this verse. Where the Bible said give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. You have to keep that knowledge in your head. And we have to realize that that wife God made her the weaker vessel. She was the one that gave in to the temptation, not Adam. You say, well, Adam ate it too. I know he did, but the Bible tells us in the book of Timothy, he knew exactly what he was doing, and the only reason he ate it was because he loved that woman so much that if she was going to die, he wanted to die, and he didn't want to live, and she couldn't live. Uh, but the devil knew which one was the weaker vessel. Uh, the, the devil come right to Eve when he wanted to talk. He didn't come to Adam, he come right to Eve. And so he knows where the weaker vessel is. And he says here, giving honor unto the wife is unto the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life. He said, remember that you and that woman, that you are both heirs together of the grace of life. That means that uh, both of you are going to go to heaven someday when this life's over. Amen? And so he says, uh, live together with grace. It takes grace. Amen. Uh, To live together. Uh, I don't care who your mate is. There's not no perfect ones. I'm not perfect. My wife's not perfect. Yours is not perfect either. Amen. You know what it takes? It takes a lot of grace. Where do you get grace at? You get that from God. And, uh, And God gives you grace to keep your mouth shut sometimes when you want to say something. God gives you grace to walk out of the room sometimes when You need to walk out of the room. Amen? Uh, Live with them according to grace. That works for the husband and the wife. But he said the reason you want to do all this, he said that your prayers be not hindered. And so that tells me right there that the prayers of a child of God, that they can be hindered. Amen? They can be hindered by your spouse. Uh, You'll say, well, Brother Rick, I don't see how my wife could affect my prayers Uh, uh, well, have you and your wife ever had an argument? You ever had an argument? If you ain't, you've been married about five minutes. But if you had a, if you had a, let's use a Christian word, a misunderstanding. Hey, man, a misunderstanding, uh, and uh, and you had a had a misunderstanding. And it got pretty hot, got pretty heated. Amen. And uh, you ever try to go pray right after that? Tough, ain't it? Tough. Brian talks like someone that knows. Amen. Amen. I'm with you, brother. It's, it's, it can be tough sometimes. And uh, you see, your praying goes a whole lot better, it's not hindered. If you and that wife are together on the Lord, uh, you and that wife are together on the Word of God, uh, you and that wife are together on your prayer needs and prayer requests. And even though you might not pray together, you're both praying about the same thing. Sometimes you'll pray together about it. And uh, I'll tell you, I believe God honors uh, prayers of a man and a woman that's in the will of God and living for God and treating each other right and doing the right thing. I believe God honors the prayer of a man, woman like that just about above anything. I really do. God uh, will answer prayers when a husband and wife is praying together. Boy, there's strength in that. There's power in that. The Bible said, "Two's better than one, and a threefold cord is not easily broken." You say, "Well, you say I don't see how it could hinder your prayers." Okay. You and hers had, a, had an argument. You go off to the bedroom, she goes off to the living room or the kitchen, and you're in there praying, God, make that woman come in here and apologize to me. And she's back there in the other room saying, God, make that man come in here and apologize to me. Don't you think that would make your prayers be hindered? Amen. It's like going to watch your kid play Little League and... You're praying they'll they'll win. They'll hit a home run, don't you know? The person on the other side of the field's praying the same thing for their kid. It makes it tough, amen. But he said that your prayers be not hindered. So we can hinder each other's prayers. That's a good reason to try to get along. That's a good reason to uh, try to uh, try to end arguments as soon as you can, and uh, don't go to bed mad and get up mad. And, don't run a whole week. Don't run a whole day. If you do go to bed mad, get up glad. Forget about it. It's a new day. Amen. And hope and pray she don't bring it up and you don't bring it up. Maybe nobody will bring it up and everything will be alright. Amen. But don't fight Don't fight until midnight and then get up the next morning swinging. Uh, don't do that. Pray that your prayers be not hindered. Amen. Boy, I tell you, we need... We need a prayer life. that's not hindered. You say why? We're we're living in tough times, folks. I mean, it's it's awful the things that are going on in our world today. And I tell you, I, I've been hearing stuff the last little bit just blows my mind and, and just grieves my heart. I brother John Tisdale sent out a thing of a missionary family and uh, missionaries, a man, his wife, and about three or four kids. And he, if I understood it right, he had a flat tire somewhere in the Cincinnati area. And he called his wife and asked her if she'd come down and help him, pick him up, I guess, to go get help or get the tire fixed or something. She came down and brought her son with her. And they got there and somebody stopped along the freeway, if I understood it right, and robbed them, shot her and killed her. Uh, shot the little boy, killed him. I think shot the husband. I, I think he's still, uh, still in critical condition. But uh, you got all this crazy stuff going on today, folks. It used to we didn't have going on. And if there was ever a time that uh, that our homes needed to be covered with prayer, and we ought to be able to pray, uh, pray it's right now. So you want to make sure that that your prayers are not hindered by your relationship with your husband or with your wife. And then, did you know what? You can have the wrong spirit. Kind of goes with that. But you can have the wrong spirit, and that will hinder your prayer life. The Bible said, Jesus said in Matthew 6, and verse 9 through 15, he comes down through there, and he's teaching us how to pray. It's It's a model prayer. It's really what it is. It's not the Lord's prayer. That's over in John 17. But this is what you call a model prayer. And he's telling us to pray for daily bread, and this, that, and the other. And then he comes on down through there, and he says, uh, but if you, he says you're to forgive men their trespasses. But he said, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Now, if you're praying for forgiveness, and somebody out there that you, uh, that you have ought with and you've never forgiven them. Uh, you've never been able to uh, to just overlook it or forgive it or go on or whatever you might do. Uh, every time you get down to pray, that's going to hinder your prayer. You say, why? Because either, either the devil or the Lord is going to bring that to your mind every time you get down to pray. Now, I've never went through some of the things some of you went through. I've never been through what uh, Cheryl's been through uh, with the her granddaughter. I've never been through that. Uh, but I know uh, that'd be a lot to forgive somebody of. Uh, but I know she stood in the courtroom and, and she told the man she'd forgive him even though she hated what he did to her granddaughter. She said, I forgive you. And uh, boy, it was a moving moment there in that courtroom. I think everybody in there, including myself, was in tears that morning. They something about seeing... There's something about seeing that kind of forgiveness in a person's heart and in a person's life that's able to forgive uh, people like that. You know what it is that moves you. You know what it is that moves you the tears because that's the kind of forgiveness Jesus Christ had for us. Amen. He's on the cross. They've nailed Him there. They've put Him there. They've lifted Him up. And what did He say? He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what to do. You say, well, they didn't know what to do. Uh, No, but how many times have you and I knew what we was doing and we asked Him to forgive us and He did forgive us. Uh, And the Bible said even as Christ forgives us, we ought to forgive others. Amen. But I'm here to tell you this, you can hold on to a grudge all you want to, uh, but a grudge is like this. Uh, It's like me drinking poison hoping it will kill you. Uh, It never works that way. You see, if you hold that grudge, it don't hurt that other person. They don't think nothing about it. They uh, may not even know that you do feel that way. It's not bothering them, but you know who it's eating up. You know who it's killing. You know who it's destroying. That person that has that grudge down in their heart. Amen. And so, if our spirit is not right, if we have an unforgiving spirit, our prayers are going to be hindered when we go to the Lord in prayer. And then our text said here, he said, Satan hath hindered me uh, from going. Not praying, but he said, Satan hath hindered me from going. Did you know Satan can hinder our prayers? Uh, Brother Steve brought this up the other day in his Sunday school lesson a week or so ago. And I like it when God ties things in like that. I like it when the Sunday school teacher mentions something that, the preacher mentions later on, or the preacher mentions something, and the Sunday school teacher mentions later on. But over in the book of Daniel chapter 10, Daniel's been a-praying. I think he's been a-praying about 21 days or something, if I remember it right. He'd been praying about a thing for a long time. And he thought God didn't hear him. Uh, I'm sure you've been like that. I've been like that. i prayed, and the answer didn't come. And I thought maybe God didn't hear me, or God wouldn't go to answer, or God said No. But Daniel gives us some light on that in Daniel 10, down in verse 12. He said, Then said he unto me, this Gabriel that came to Daniel, He said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. God He said, God heard you the very first day you prayed, God heard you. And he said, I'm come for your words. I'm here because you did pray, Daniel. And he said, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. And so what he says, he said, Daniel, you prayed. God heard you the first time you prayed. I, but this prince of Persia, type of Satan, if you will, He said he's hindered that prayer from being answered. He's fought every way he can. You say the devil can do that? Sure. When you pray for lost people, the devil, he does everything he can to hinder that prayer from being answered. Uh, uh, He'll give them every excuse in the book. Uh, uh, He'll send uh, sickness. He'll do whatever he can to keep them out of the house of God so they might be saved. Uh, uh, The devil is a hinder. You've never stood behind a pulpit at invitation time and not realize the devil hinders prayers being answered. When somebody's praying for a loved one to be saved, and boy, about the time the invitation's given, the kid cries and off to the nursery they go. Uh, You you never stood here and about the time the invitation's given somebody stands up and they're going through their purse or they're already starting out. That's Satan trying to hinder the prayers of this church that prays for somebody to be saved. Amen. Our prayers can be hindered. You say, how do you stop that? Well, you run you can run interference if you can. Uh, Sometimes that works. You can uh, get the person's attention. Say, "Listen, uh, listen to the preacher up there. Wait just a few minutes. You might do something like that. Uh, But what I'm pointing out is that our prayers can be hindered. They can be hindered by spouse. They can be hindered by the spirit we have. They can be hindered by Satan. They can be hindered by sin. Did you know if you try to pray with known sin in your life, that that hinders your prayers? The Bible said, David said in Psalm 68 verse 18, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, He said, the Lord will not hear me. What's that mean? That means if I've done wrong and God's convicted me of that wrong, I know it, God knows it, I, and I refuse to come to the altar and altar call, I refuse to get down at the house and ask God to forgive me. God said, when you pray, God said, you're not a-hearing me. I'm telling you, you need to come and get that thing under the blood. God said, you're not a-hearing me. I'm telling you to... Uh, ask forgiveness and clean yourself up God says you're not hearing me so God said I ain't going to hear you till you get that thing clean in your life Amen. Amen that's the way it is we don't like to think about it that way but it's the truth prayers can be hindered do you know prayer is a spiritual matter Did you know physical things can be hindered we all know that but see, it ain't just the physical things that can be hindered. The spiritual things can be hindered. And did you know, we, we don't know this. We don't live like we know this. But did you know the spiritual things are far more important than the physical things? Physical things are only going to last for 70 to 80 years and they're going to be done. But spiritual things are going to be for eternity. Amen. Prayers can be hindered. Alright, look over in Second Corinthians 9 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians 9... sure I got the right reference there. might be 1 Corinthians 9. Yeah, it is 1 Corinthians 9. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 9 and Paul in this whole 9 chapter he's trying to vindicate his apostleship. There's been some folks that said, I don't even believe Paul is an apostle. And Paul is vindicating his apostleship. Verse uh, 1 he said, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are ye are not ye my, uh, my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. My answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord in Cephas? Or I only, as Barnabas, have not we power to forbid working? Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charge? Who planteth a vineyard, and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock, and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or say not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn? God uh, Doeth God take care of the ox? Or saith he it altogether for your sake? For our sakes, no doubt this is written, that he that plows should plow in hope. He that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Did you know Paul says there in that verse that the gospel can be hindered? That's what he said there. Paul has spent the whole first part of this chapter trying to vindicate his apostleship. They said, you're not an apostle. And uh, Paul said, "Uh, okay. Paul said, here's what I've done. He said, I've not eaten certain things. Uh, Because you say that I shouldn't. So Paul said, I've not eaten certain things and in the company of certain people, Jews and stuff. I, there are certain things I haven't eaten. He says, uh, I haven't took a wife. He said, I don't have a wife. Uh, some said, is Paul married? Well, some think he was, some think he wasn't. Uh, some think that when Paul was converted to Christ on the Damascus Road, Paul being an devout Jew, Paul, being a, an about Jew, he didn't—he just like Jews today. He he didn't believe Jesus Christ was who he said he was. He hated Jesus Christ. He hated the church. He persecuted the church, just like Jews today. Jews today do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah unless they are saved Jews. They don't believe that, uh, and uh, Paul was that way. And uh, Paul says, because of that, if I'm around here trying to win some Jews, Paul said, I'm not going to be eating things that Jews won't eat. He said, I, I've not done that. Paul said, uh, Paul said, I've not taken a wife. And some think that when Paul was converted to Christianity, that his wife, doing what most Jewish families would do, they totally disowned Paul. They have a if I, if you get saved as a Jew, even today. If you got saved as a Jew and you left the Jewish religion, you would have to you they your family would disown you. They'd have a funeral for you. They'd say that you don't exist anymore. That's what old Hyman Appleman had to do. Great Baptist preacher of the past, Jew, but he got saved. I, and I've heard him give his testimony. how His own family uh, said, "You're dead to us. We're having a funeral for you," and uh, said we're not going to do it. So some think when Paul the apostle when Paul the Apostle got saved, that he had a wife and she left him because that he had converted to Christianity. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. There's some places in the Bible that you read that Paul seems to sure know about what it is to be married. He seems to have some knowledge of what's going on to be married. So uh, maybe he was married, I don't know. Maybe his wife died, I don't know. If he had one, maybe she died but Paul said, I, I have power. I have power to take a wife if I want to. But he said, because it, you're going to allow that to be a hindrance, he said, I haven't done that. I hadn't done that. And then he says on down there, he says, I've not, I've, I've, I haven't not worked. In other words, he said, I haven't quit uh, support myself. I'm still making tents. I, uh, I'm not doing that because if I, if I did that, with this particular church here, he said it would hinder you. It would hinder the gospel. He goes on to explain there in that verse. Uh, he said, "I've got power to do it if I want to." Verse six. He said, "I." Uh, he said, "We have power to forbear working. He said I can not work. I can be full time in the ministry. I have the power to do that." And he explains it by saying, "This who goes into at a war fired his own charge." In other words, he said, uh, "If America started war tonight." What country would send our soldiers over there and say you're going to have to support yourself, get your own, uh, you're going to have to get your own uh, artillery, you're going to have to get your own uniform, you to have to have your own on your own food? Uh, uh, what army would do that? No, sir. If you go fight in the battle, your government will support you and take care of you and see that you got what you need. Then he goes to a uh, goes to a farming uh, illustration. And he says, uh, "Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth the corn." Now, uh, probably a few here, Ralph, maybe a few others. Uh, uh, they they've seen uh, maybe a mule, maybe not an ox, but a mule uh, working a garden or whatever. And if uh, while you're while he's working that corn, uh, if that old mule here it says ox, but if he reaches over and gets him a big ear of corn or a leaf of corn, uh, uh, nobody's gonna think nothing about it because he's uh, working. He's uh, uh, plowing that he's—that's uh, due to him, Amen. Uh, so Paul is using all this, uh, and he said, "I haven't done anything because of where he's at, where he was at." He said, "I've not took a wife, I've not eaten certain things, I, I've not quit my job," uh, and he said, "I haven't done none of that because uh, he said I didn't want to of the gospel here where I was." Uh, but look what happened over in the book of—I uh, believe it's Philippians. Look over there in Philippians and. He talks about this in uh, Philippians 4 and verse 15. He said, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. In other words, uh, he was taken from this church uh, so he could be over here helping this church. Uh, It's like the old saying we hear, uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, That's kind of the way it was, amen. And so the gospel can be hindered in many ways. One of the ways the gospel can be hindered is by frustration. You say, what do you mean? Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, uh, yet I live. Uh, He said, this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave himself for me. But in verse 21, he said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. Paul said, said, you can frustrate the gospel of Jesus Christ You can hinder it by frustrating people and telling them they can work their way to heaven, telling them they can do something else to get to heaven, and the people get all frustrated and it hinders them, and they don't know whether to believe this or they don't know whether to believe that. You can uh, cause people to get frustrated and it will hinder hinder the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It will hinder it. Man, I've dealt with people and uh, some of them, you know, they've been taught so much false stuff. And Brother Richie's probably done this outdoor knocking, but it's hard. To, the gospel's hindered when you're trying to tell them the gospel. It's hindered because they'll say, "Well, I thought I had to do this to be saved, or I thought I had to do that to be saved." No, the Bible said that salvation's by the grace of God. The Bible said that you have to repent. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that you will be saved. That's what the Bible said. But people get frustrated. They go to one church and they do it this way. They go to another church and they do it that way. And then everybody gets all frustrated. Don't know what way it is. I'll tell you what way it is. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. You get all this other stuff going on. And it's, uh, it causes a frustration. Man, you get in some of these cults and I've studied them all, read about them all. Man, if you were trying to get to heaven in some of these cults, you'd just finally get so frustrated you'd just give it up. Because they got a list of 50 things that you've got to do to get saved. I'm glad God made it simple. I'm glad God only said one thing you got to do to be saved: believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're going to repent from not have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you got to have that repentance in there. But repentance is a turning from what you did do to doing something else. It's turning from the devil to turn into Jesus Christ. It's turning from darkness to turn into light. That's what repentance is. And so, do you know, you could cry a bucket full of tears and uh, still, still not have true repentance. The Bible said, Godly sorrow worketh repentance to be repented of no more. Some people come to the altar, bless their hearts, and all they've got is a worldly sorrow. They've got a sorrow because their wife left. They've got a sorrow because they've lost their job. They've got a sorrow because they had bad news. Well... My heart goes out to them, but that's not the kind of sorrow you got to have to get saved. You got to have godly sorrow that God can convicts your heart, makes you sorry for what you have done to the Lord Jesus, that He would be crucified on an old rugged cross. Uh, that's a godly sorrow that if you ever get it, uh, uh, you'll never have that kind of sorrow again. Amen. I've had to repent a lot of times. Uh, even today, I have to repent every day. I don't know about you. Have to ask for forgiveness every day. But I've never had to ask forgiveness because I didn't accept the Lord and didn't get saved. That day, that godly sorrow worked that into my heart, it hadn't been that way no more. Did you know there's a big difference in being convicted for a sin in your life after you're saved and being convicted with a conviction for salvation? It's a difference. I'll tell you why a lot of people have trouble, especially people that believe in losing your salvation. They get saved, and then they get out of church, get away from the Lord, and they go back to that altar, and what they're trying to do, they're trying to get saved again. And they go back there, and they get out on the altar... And they can't get that conviction like they had the day they got saved. They can't get that conviction again. Why? Because if you've ever got it and you've ever uh, repented of it, you're not going to get that anymore. Uh, and so they get, get up and go back and get up and go back. Now all the time they're trying to, uh, they're trying to feel that conviction they had the day they got saved. Uh, there ain't no conviction like the conviction of getting saved. Uh, that's different than the conviction for doing wrong. Amen, amen, amen. That's right. Frustration. Get frustrated about it. And then the gospel can be hindered by lack of funds. Takes money to get the gospel out. All them missionaries out there on that board out there. Takes money to keep them over there. See, they're not here working a job. Uh, they're over there preaching. Uh, they're not here with their family. They're over there with their family. It takes money to get the gospel out. And uh, it takes a lot of money. Thank God God's got a lot of churches. Amen. But Paul said, I read it to you there in Philippians, Paul said, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving. Brother Walt Ziegler used to say, he said some some people think that a preacher can live on air and fried rabbit tracks. But Brother Walt said, uh, amen. Now, I've never had this problem. The uh, Lord, Lord's took care of me through the church. The Lord's took care of me, and I thank God for it. Uh, I've had times that uh, maybe I struggled uh, back in the early years, uh, but the Lord always made a way. The Lord always took care of me. But I never will forget something Lance Massingill said one night. Lance was on the board of trustees at that time, and I don't know what we were meeting on. We were meeting on some kind of business, meeting on something. And uh, brother Lance said, uh, uh, "Well, I want to ask my preacher, do you need anything?" He said, uh, "He's trying to preach the gospel and he's trying to do what he can, and I don't want my preacher to have to be worrying about getting by. I don't I don't want my preacher to have to be worrying about how he's going to pay his bills." I, and I always appreciated Brother Lance saying that. And what he was saying is uh, that the gospel can be hindered. Uh, it can be hindered. I know some preachers, bless their hearts, uh, uh, they, must, uh, they must have a great worry because uh, uh, how little they get and how bad the church treats some of them. Maybe sometimes they're not able. If they ain't able, that's alright. But some of them's able and still won't do it, uh, and uh, so the preacher's struggling. He's worrying. Uh, he can't put his mind on study. He can't put his mind on preaching. He can't put his mind on praying uh, uh, because he's worried about financial needs, uh, and uh, that can cause a hindrance to the gospel. Amen. Uh, you see it. It takes funds. I, I don't preach a lot about money. You probably, I probably preach about as little about money as anybody you ever hear preach church this size. You say, why? I've never worried too much about it. Uh, I figured it's God's church and I figured God will take care of it and so far always has. And a few times I've tried to worry about it and God said, you ain't supposed to worry about that. He said, I'll take care of it. You do your job, you do the plowing, and he said, I'll give you some corn along. Amen. God's always made a way and I believe that God always will make a way. I was amazed during this COVID thing when we were not even having church for six weeks, not even taking any kind of an offering, I was amazed at how many people uh, that all during that time that they would mail that tithe in, they'd mail that money to the church even though we would not have a church, even though they couldn't be here, even though there was no offering plate in front of them and by the same token I'm amazed uh, at people that come to this church and enjoy the blessings of this church uh, that never put a dollar in the offering plate uh, and hadn't sent one dime since the church wasn't able to have services, thank you, you're welcome. Amen. The gospel can be hindered. I promise you there's missionaries tonight that would leave tonight if they just had the funds to be supported and get over there where they want to go. I promise you that tonight. So the funds can hinder. Flustration can hinder the gospel. Here's something that really hinder the gospel. Look in Hebrews 4 and verse 2. Hebrews 4 and verse 2. The Bible said, verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, there it is, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So there's something that can hinder the gospel. You say, what is it? It's a lack of faith. He said, they heard the same gospel we heard. They heard how Christ suffered and died for our sins, how that He was buried, how He rose on the third day. But the only difference, it didn't do them no good. He said, it's because they didn't have the faith to believe it. Amen. You've got to have faith to believe the gospel. You say, I don't have it. Won't you ask God for it? The Bible said... The Bible said, For by grace are you saved through faith that not of your own. It's a gift of God. Once you ask God for the faith to believe Him, quit trying to believe it on your own. Did you know the Lord Jesus done everything for you? He done everything for you. Did you know, and this is going to hold on to your seat, did you know the Lord's already believed for you? But you've got to accept it. you got to believe that He's already believed for you. Just like He believed He died for you. Just like He believed He rose from the dead for you. He's already believed for you. But you got to accept it. That's why I'm secure. You say, why? Well, I've accepted the fact that the Lord has believed for me. And even if I have a, a failure, of time that my faith gets weak... In a moment, I don't believe I'm still all right because he's already believed for me. That's why he could say what he did over in First Timothy. Uh, that's that's too good to pass up. Let me find that. I uh, I don't have it marked, but it won't take me but a minute to find it. And that's a good verse there that you need to you need to hear tonight. Over in I think it's. Uh, First, uh, maybe it's 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And look here at verse uh, 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. He's talking about denying us reign. He's not talking about denying you and saying, I don't know Him. He's talking about the reign there. It says it in the verse... He said, if we suffer, we shall reign with Him. But if we deny Him, uh, He'll deny us. You, can, you can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your reign. You can lose your reign. But look at the next verse. He said, if we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, He cannot deny Himself. Glory That means that even in my weakness He's already believed for me and even if I don't believe He's done believe for me if I have believed. Amen. That's good boy. The Lord's got this thing sealed up and fixed every way. He's thought it out. He knows us inside and out. He's fixed it every way. You see he used to. He made a covenant with Abraham. He broke it. He made a covenant with this one. He broke it. He made a covenant with that one. He broke it. God said, I ain't making no more covenants with men because they can't keep them. And He said, the next covenant I make, I'm going to make with my son. He made a covenant with His son. Jesus said at the Last Supper... He said, uh, This is the New Testament. That word covenant is a meat word there. said, so This is the New Testament of my blood. God said, I'm going to make this covenant with my son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, Whosoever believeth on me will be saved. I, Jesus Christ said, I paid for their sin. I believe for them. And he says, He said, I, I believe for them. They believed upon me. And he says, because of that I have a covenant with my father and I've done all I'm supposed to do. I hadn't broke the covenant like Abraham. I didn't go into Hagar. He said, I didn't break the covenant like the uh, Noahic covenant that Noah got drunk. I didn't break the covenant. Jesus Christ has never broke the covenant. And thank God I'm glad my salvation is secure in the covenant that God made with Jesus Christ tonight. Amen. Amen. Lack of faith. Well, let me show you one more tonight. Over in the book of Acts. Book of Acts. Good story there. Oh, let's start in about verse 26. The angel, Acts 8, verse 26. An angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is a desert. And he arose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and read Isaiah the prophet. And then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran hither and heard him, and read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? He said, how can I, except some man should guide me. Right there is your scripture verse for altar workers. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was, he was led as a la- sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so he opened not his mouth, and in his humiliation judgment he was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture, and he preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, Here is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? Did you know that prayers is a spiritual matter and they can be hindered? Did you know the gospel is a spiritual thing? And it can be hindered. You know that baptism can be hindered, and baptism is a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual matter. The eunuch said, "Here's water. What doth hinder me from being baptized?" Somebody said he had to get baptized to get saved. Did he? Look over in First Peter one or First Peter three. First Peter three. Look at verse eighteen. For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when the long, once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. There you say, there it is, preacher. The Bible says right there, they were saved by water. Talking about Noah and his family. Noah wasn't saved by water. Noah saved because he's in that ark. That's why Noah was saved. If he'd been in the water, Noah would have drowned. He'd have drowned. But what she has Here's a clincher here. Don't take my word for it. Look at verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, But notice that God put a little verse there in Corinthians about it. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said that the baptism don't save us. It's not that that saves us. It can't wash away our flesh. It can't wash away our sins. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Say man, uh, somebody said, "Well, uh, when you go under the water, that's when you contact the blood." No, sir, you contact the blood when you put faith in Jesus Christ. That's when you contact the blood. Uh, if you was listen, if you wasn't saved before you was baptized, uh, you're not going to be saved after you're baptized. Uh, uh, listen, you may get baptized over and over again, and the old preachers used to say you can get baptized till every tadpole and fish knows your name and social security number, but if you've never been saved, you won't be saved just because you got baptized. Well, look at this. I'm trying to hurry up. I never thought I'd preach this long tonight, but I amazed myself. Let's look at some verses tonight. Look over in 1 Corinthians. Look over on 1 Corinthians and look at, uh, well, look at 1 Corinthians 15 first. 1 Corinthians 15. I could quote it and you could quote it, but let's read it because of the seriousness of the matter. 1 Corinthians 15 and be uh, verse, uh, verse 1. Paul said, moreover, I declare unto you the gospel. So I'm going to tell you what the gospel is. Which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein you stand. But which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. Now he's about to tell you what the gospel is. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. Verse 4, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. Paul said, I'm going to tell you what the gospel is. And he don't say a word about water. He don't say a word about baptism. Paul said the gospel is a death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Now, uh, look here at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17. He says, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17. I want you to look at it. I want you to see it. He said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, that's an odd thing. If baptism saves you. That's an odd thing for a preacher to say. He said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to what? To preach the gospel. So the gospel must not, the gospel must not have anything to do with the baptism. Now here's the problem. Baptism is important. I recommend it. I urge people to do it as soon as they get saved. You see, why you do that? I do that because what we read a minute ago—it's the answer of a good conscience toward God. It's the first thing God asks you to do after you get saved. He commands you to be baptized, and if you don't do it, you won't have a good. even though you're saved, you won't have a good conscience with God. You'll go through life, and and every time you get around some place where they're talking about it or practicing it, your heart will condemn you, and you'll say, "I ain't never got that done yet." Amen. You won't have a good conscience. Amen. Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdoms of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Paul said, God didn't send me to baptize, He sent me to preach the gospel. So, look over in the Mark 16, 16. And let's look at, look at what it says over there, Mark 16, 16. Mark 16, look at verse 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There it is. You said, there it is, preacher. You didn't read far enough. But he that believeth not shall be damned. You see how the weight of that thing is thrown over on the believing part and not the baptismal part? I think you ought to get Baptized. But uh, Caleb and Amanda, they left out today on a plane. That'd That'd be like me saying this. He that gets on that plane and sits down is going to Texas. But if you get on that plane, even if you sit down or not, you go in Texas when it takes off. You see how the emphasis is on the word believe. And if you don't believe that, you go through the Gospel of John, get you a yellow highlighter, and every time in the Gospel of John, it says believe, believe, believe. You highlight that. You say, why? Because that's the main thing on getting saved is believing. Baptism can be hindered. You're commanded to do it. Matthew 28, uh, 19, 20. And don't you go out here saying, our preacher don't believe in baptism. I believe in it with all my heart but I believe the one that really counts is a spiritual baptism. The Bible said in Romans, the Bible said, for we are all baptized into one body. That's not water baptism, that's a spiritual baptism. And everybody gets saved, they're placed into that body of Christ by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, baptism can be hindered. Let me finish up here. First of all, let me say the preacher can hinder it. He did right there in our text verse, didn't he? Let's go back to that. I want it. it's important. I want you to see it. They're going down the road. Evidently, Philip has talked to him. The eunuch's been around enough. He's either seen baptism or either Philip told him about it when he got there. They're going down the road, and all at once they come upon this certain body of water. And the eunuch said there in verse thirty-six, "Here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized?" You know who's going to hinder him? The preacher. Look at verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, not after you come out, before you go in. If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Did you ever stop and wonder why that that thing's called Believer's Baptism? It's not unbeliever's baptism to be made believers. It's believer's baptism. Isn't that plain as an O's on your face? Philip said, you can be baptized if you've been saved. He said, do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? And he said, I do. I believe that. And all you knew are Bibles. Take that verse out. can't find it. You go down to there. Verse 35, 36, get to 37. There'll be a number there and no verse. Crooked devils. They put so much pressure on them that now they put it down at the bottom of the page. Why not leave it where the Bible puts it? God's got it there for a reason, amen? So the preacher hindered it. there have been a few times that I've hindered some people from getting baptized. You say, why? Well, I wouldn't judge. I wouldn't judge them whether or not they're saved or lost. But I've had them come to me and say, preacher, I want to get baptized. I say, well, have you ever been saved? No, well, you can't get baptized right now. I want you to get baptized, but once you to get saved, you need to get saved before you get baptized. Get that? A lot of times, with children coming up, won't get baptized. So in that case, I'm like, I'm like Philip. I'm hindering it. So yeah, there's water there. We got a baptistry. Yeah, we can do it. But you ain't been saved yet, and we need to wait till you get saved. All right. Sometimes baptism can be hindered because of the place. If I teach that everybody that goes to heaven has got to be baptized, there's some people that die in a place There's just no way. That thief on the cross, if he had to be baptized to be saved, Jesus would have had to say, today you'll be in hell, not with me. I've stood by the deathbed of several people over 40 years of ministry. I'm talking about less than a handful, less than a number of fingers on my hand. I've stood by the bed of people that was dying. And I believe with all my heart they got saved. I believe with all my heart from what I witnessed and what I heard. I believe they trusted Christ on their deathbed. And I've got every ounce of faith to believe that I'll see them one day in heaven. Even though they didn't get baptized. You see that soldier in the ditch overseas and gets shot, and another soldier laying there by him. He ain't got time to get baptized. Somebody said, "Well, that's what if stuff, preacher. It's what if stuff. It really happens." Amen. Amen. So the place has probably been some folks had a car wreck out here on the road. Matter of fact, brother Jeff, uh, he's telling me this this week. Brother Jeff, Lord, I got to quit. Brother Jeff, I didn't get no amens. So. <laughs> Brother Jeff was going to Cincinnati, I think it was last week, and he run up on a car wreck, and he got out, and the lady was in there hurt real bad, and he said all he could do, he had to hold her in his arms while she gasped for breath, and she died. And this week he, uh, the the uh, some of the family called him, and. and uh, talked to him because they wanted to know about, about their mother and he went up to the funeral this week but what about a situation like that what if that woman and, and her family said God had been dealing with her for about two months she'd been talking about need to get saved need they'd get saved and that woman that called Jeff said I just want to know what she said in her last words I want to know what she talked about and said did you pray with her and Jeff said yes she said I I prayed with her. I prayed with her there. What if that woman really prayed to get saved there on the side of the road? You think the Lord's going to say, no. You're not going to live long enough to get baptized. No. No. Jesus Christ died for sinners. Have you ever looked at the cross and pondered it? That's how much he wanted sinners to be saved. Do you think somebody that wants sinners to be saved so bad that they would die and suffer and go through what he's been through, and some sinner want to get saved, him say, No. No. You got the proof there in the Bible. The thief said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. How quick, how quick, how quick. Jesus said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Will he have a stack of rewards? Doubt it. Will he he have a reign in the millennial? Probably not. But did he go to heaven? Don't take my word for it. Jesus said, this day you'll be with me paradise and then lastly baptism can be hindered because of a person a person the Bible said in Proverbs 29 25 the fear of man bringeth a snare I've had people over the years say brother Rick I want to get baptized but I'm scared of water I'm scared of water and somehow or another they they may go on later on and get baptized, but it hinders them for a long time. Sometimes it's a situation like Brother Richie's there, and uh, he got uh, he got he uh, thought he got saved got baptized. You heard his testimony down there at the creek. He thought he got saved on that Sunday, and then really got saved the next day. How many years did you say that been, Brother? 59 years. 59 years. No one in his heart he needed to get baptized. And why would you say you need to get baptized again? Because you wouldn't really save the first time, right? You see, he thought he got saved, he got baptized, but then he found out that he wasn't saved and he did really get saved all in a two-day span. And he knew. Ten-year-old boy, he knew that that first baptism was no good. And 59 years later, he got her done. And I'll just bet you, i just bet you all the money in my billfold, he ain't had a bad conscience about it since the day he got it done. Because the Bible said the answer, it's the answer of God for a good conscience. First time I met him, it wouldn't even, I think it was the first time, I know it wasn't long after that, he stood right out in front of that church by his car. he said, Preacher, I need to get baptized. He said, Why'd he say that? Been bothering him. Saved, going to heaven, but he didn't have that clean, clear conscience. Because he did what God said do. So who hindered it? He did, the person. He hindered it. So, our baptism can be hindered. Our prayers can be hindered. The gospel can be hindered. Well, I don't want to be a hindrance to none of them things, do you? Father, I thank you tonight for the message. Thank you for putting it in my heart and uh, just preached, uh, just explaining, expounding.